0: i'm jason klom and this is the comedy on vinyl podcast no particular year no particular album no particular artist but my guest is the reverend ivan stang thank you so much for uh talking with me today Oh, thanks for uh, calling, Jason. It, it should be fun. So I want to talk a bunch about the Church of the Subgenius, which, you know, full disclosure, I was introduced to by a friend of the show, Taylor Jessen. Um, so it was only oh, a few right. years ago. Um, and so I want to dig kind of deep on that. But I do want to talk... Um, about the comedy albums you grew up with because fortunately you did grow up with a bunch and I, I don't know if that had a specific influence on the formation of the church or anything else you've done, but let's, let's dig into it.
1: Oh,
2: but uh, my parents had a, a, not a ton of comedy records, but the ones they had, uh, I heard over and over again. And of course they were uh, a huge influence long before, I was even dreaming of doing anything, any kind of uh, stand-up or funny radio or anything myself. Right, uh, but it's like I, you know, the Three Stooges and the, and the Warner Brothers cartoons that I saw every day after school were also probably even bigger influences.
0: Uh, yeah, I would imagine. So you were born in um, '53? Am I remember that? Yeah. correctly? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, 65 now so i mean that is that is i mean this is obviously a time period when a a bunch of people who have influenced pop culture uh were raised were born um and there's i want to at some point get into this but you know i'm realizing my idea of the 50s is inextricably linked with the perspective that folks of your generation uh have have given the rest of the world like you know i grew up with uh, let's say Paul Rubin's idea of what the 50s were or Matt Groening's idea of what the, the 50s were. <laughs> I'm bringing them up, of course, though, because I know that they're they're you know, they're fans of uh, and, and at least somewhat associated with the Church of the Subgenius. So I'm wondering who gave us this insane idea of the 50s first or was it something that you guys all agreed was just the perspective of 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 certain weirdos? Like, was this just what you all agreed the 50s was?
2: Well, I think we—I uh, think everybody that's roughly in this th- that part of the Boomer the tail end of the Boomer generation—got exposed to the same TV uh, kids shows, mm-hmm. pretty much. You know, we, we, we uh, the Three Stooges had just become syndicated all over the country. The Warner Brothers cartoons were shown in theaters and ha- had hit uh, daytime TV for mm-hmm. kids. And uh, not just Warner Brothers, but of course, you know, Fleischer Brothers cartoons and, and all of that. And uh, uh, I was one of those zillions of, of kids that was an early dinosaur nut from, from when I was practically an infant. Uh-huh. And it was hard to find dinosaur stuff or anything weird. When you were a little kid then, you know, you couldn't just call it up on the world brain and you couldn't go. You couldn't even rent a a VHS tape of anything. You know, you, you just had to wait for things to come on TV. Now, record albums, on the other hand, you could you owned those and you could play them over and over and over again. And we sure did.
0: Do you, and now are there, did your experience with, with, uh, this kind of stuff with, with albums start as like, I have a, you've got a few kid albums and then you kind of graduate to stuff your parents had and then go start buying your own stuff. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. More or less like that. Um, uh, my parents had my, actually my, I think my, my dad actually had pretty interesting taste in that, um, they had the Tom Lehrer albums. They had the two oh, right. main ones, and they—they, uh, uh, they, you know, that was pretty hefty intellectual stuff for yeah. those guys. Yeah. Um, and we knew uh, Tom Lehrer's uh, all of his songs by heart. Uh, practically the whole family would you know sing them on car oh, that's, trips.
0: That's fantastic. Uh,
2: and they were sick. You know, that was the great uh-huh. thing about that. <laughs> Uh, there, were, there were a lot of songs about what, I don't know, S&M and cannibalism <laughs> and uh, drug addiction and so forth that all sung in this really chipper uh, Broadway musical style. Uh, by the way, there's, there's an artist who's doing real similar work now uh, who, who goes by the name of Andrew the Impaled. He has performed at uh, almost every Subgenius X Day for about, almost 20 years now and uh-huh. I uh, even went on tour with him and his sideshow Marvel Buddy. This, this guy is also a human blockhead, but
0: oh my God, just
2: sideshow stuff like ineptly juggling knives and really getting cut. Oh, but um, he also does these, these really, really clever uh, ballads and, and songs that he accompanies on the piano. But I told him that, that I was, he made me think of Tom Lehrer, and he was just really thankful to hear that. He was a big fan.
0: I'm going to have to look him up. I, I didn't know about him. That's uh, I, I, I like finding when people are doing something, uh, you know, because obviously Tom Lehrer stopped doing it when he stopped doing it. It's always nice to find people carrying that torch.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the guy's real name is Andrew Lasswell. He's in Pittsburgh.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. I I've, I've uh, recorded as much as I could uh, and played it on uh hour of slack after every X day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as you
2: can actually understand his lyrics, you know, that's, that's it's real different from rock music.
0: Right, right. <laughs>
2: um, but uh, uh, my, my parents also had uh, Jonathan Winters album. I can't remember the title of it, but it, it had like a, a happy theater face and a sad theater face and his face on a jacket.
0: I can't remember if uh, that is The Wonderful World of Jonathan Winters or if that is, let me see. I'm going to have to look because now, now you've got me. If people people kind of get on me if, if uh, I don't quite get it right. Okay, uh, right. But I, I have the album. I know I've seen it, and it's it's a good one. So did your parents, I'm man, so, so where are your parents discovering their, their comedy? I'm assuming just, it had to have been TV, right? They're just like, oh, this guy was funny on Steve Allen, or this guy was funny here. Uh,
2: uh, probably. Uh, probably. Uh, my, my dad knew about Tom Lehrer because he had gone to Harvard Law School, and Lehrer was a math teacher at Harvard. Okay, yeah. And, you know, people would go see him in clubs and stuff. Um, uh, the, the rest of it, I really don't know um, how they got into it. But they would watch stuff like Jack Parr. Mm-hmm. And he would have these various uh, guests on. Um, Jonathan Winters was one of one of my favorites, and I later lucked into um, some you know unauthorized tapes that were going around, uh, sound engineers and audiophile collections, uh-huh. uh, outtakes from commercial jobs they were recording where he would just spin off and improvise. Um, with these other voice actors, oh, he he would just kind of take over the conversation. He just suddenly they'd be in the middle of trying to record some commercial for frozen peas, and suddenly he'd be doing this bizarre ass um, uh, subject matter. You know, he'd suddenly turn into uh, like a, a, a real sassy black guy or a real. Degenerate country boy, uh-huh. you know, or Maude Fricker, the perverted old lady uh-huh. char- character that he had. Um, and later on, uh, I think I got hold of some uh, a type of answer machine messages that Winters left on his agent's phone. <laughs> uh, you know, he was he was kind of retired. But, um, he was still doing some shows, and he would his agent would call him and leave a message, and he'd call back and leave this long, surreal thing that the agent uh, preserved. Um, so I've, I've been really lucky to find the, like what you might call bootleg Jonathan Winters because he would be a lot more raunchy, a political, a risque, and he would he would do racial stuff that nobody dares to do now, uh-huh. Uh at least, at least, uh, you know, not unless you're a minority doing a shtick about your minority.
0: Right, right, right. right.
2: Um, you know, I, I <laughs> a lot of us learned our lesson the hard way with that, because people get the wrong idea, no matter how good your intentions are. Sure. Speaking of of, uh, racial stuff and bad taste, my dad was also into brother Dave Gardner. Oh, yeah. We had uh, at least three albums of him. They were mostly uh, recorded live in some little club. And, uh, you know, his stuff really was just what we would now call downright racist. Mm Mm-hmm. At times, I mean, he he didn't mean it in a vindictive way, but it's the way people just didn't think about it. You know, it's like. Uh, he was very, very southern, you know, uh-huh. he, he is very much of a southern boy shtick, and uh, he would uh, kind of go off on kind of Uncle Remus like directions at times where he would be doing dialogue and stuff that. Uh, nowadays, comes off as uh, really pretty offensive and childish.
0: For sure, for sure.
2: But at the same time, he also did a lot of really funny stuff. Now, I had the strange experience of seeing him uh, do a show in Dallas live uh, just a few years before he died. Mm-hmm. This would have been in the uh, early 80s, I think. Yeah, I had started doing the sub genius thing. But um, and I, I I sent him a copy of our pamphlet number one, and uh, he thought it was real funny. He liked it, oh,
1: and I ended funny.
2: up going to to see his show, which was really different. I suspect that he might have been jacked up on speed of some kind.
0: <laughs> oh my god!
2: But he 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 would go off on so many tangents. He just stood there and talk for an hour, and he kept going off on all these tangents. And I was thinking, is is he going to ever come back to these and wrap them up? And he did. Every single little one, he pulled back in. By the end of the show, he pulled them back in and followed up on them all.
0: Wow. I think.
2: I had had taped it. Unfortunately, there was somebody right next to me guffawing, which kind of wrecked (laughs)
0: the audio in a way. Damn it.
1: But,
2: um... But you know, I was able to, to really listen back to it. And in fact I, I gave him a copy. he asked me if i if, if he could get a copy and I gave him one.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Um, yeah. He had uh, D magazine gave him a real bad write up and called him a racist. He was he was real angry about that. Sure. On sure. the other hand, he he was asking for it. Right. You know. Right. What he was doing really was pretty bad taste.
0: But at the time he was still doing it. Right. I'm uh um, man, I'm fascinated though that cuz I I can't peg and I think that's kind of part of it is that I, I I would never necessarily peg somebody like a brother Dave Gardner to um understand what you were doing with the church of the subgenius. I do you think is is, is there ever been a portion of your audience who's just so they're confused into laughter, because I feel like that was me at first when I'm like, "What the fuck am I looking at? What am I reading? i have I am so perplexed that I find this fantastic.
2: well, we we get that a lot. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Brother Dave did too. Well, you know, come to think of it, he did call himself Brother Dave, which is kind of like a preacher name almost. yeah. and he did ha- have a kind of a Southern preacher approach Mm -hmm. um he'd he'd have he'd have this kind of gospel and and uh jazzy new orleans type music uh, at the beginning and end of his show and did did things a little bit kind of gospel style and Mm -hmm. he would do sarcastic stuff about religion
0: Mm -hmm. um sort of carefully right 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 yeah that, that makes sense that's fair um Oh man, I have so there's so much about the Church of the Subgenius. I feel like I should actually have you. It's a little late in the episode to do this, but do you want to give people a breakdown what it is and how it got started? Um, I know it's gonna. This a lot of this is gonna be in that documentary, which I cannot wait to see. But I'd like people who don't know well, what the Church of the yeah, Subgenius they, is. Yeah, nobody's
2: gonna see it until they have a, a di- distributor, right? Um, but the you know basically in uh, 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 in Well, there's there's two sides to the story, you know. If I uh, stick to uh, official church doctrine, uh, our guru and master, the great sales god, J.R. Bob Dobbs, that smiling pipe guy, (laughs) looks sort of like Dick Van Dyke or Mark Trail
1: Mm
2: -hmm. or Hugh Beaumont, but insane. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he uh, he he was uh, he he became a prophet. He was uh, a kind of his brain was invaded by this alien space monster <laughs> that called itself Jehovah One. It's thousands of years old, and it's been masquerading as God to primitive humans for a long time. But Jehovah One informed uh, Bob that uh, he or it was getting bored with all this and that on July 5th, 1998, at seven in the morning, the uh, world would end for everybody except for the uh, followers of uh, uh, the prophet of Jehovah One, (laughs) Bob. In other words, only the subgeniuses would be saved. And it had to be the dues-paying (laughs) such so geniuses <laughs> actually went the trouble of sending in the, well, first it was $10. Now it's $35 and about to go up. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's not much to ask for eternal salvation. No, Plus, I you agree. Give you triple your money back if you don't <laughs> get the salvation for eternity. Of course, eternity is hard to prove. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, so Bob recruited various uh, Characters and eventually including Doctor Philo Drummond and me. Now Philo and I were had uh, were both living in Dallas and we we just met. We had a lot in common. And it, this was in the late seventies. We both collected kook pamphlets and extremist literature. Mm-hmm. You know those little tribulation maps that Christians would hand you, and the little Jack Chick comic book. Sure. The chick comics things and and, and you know John Burt Society pamphlets anything and of course we we were into weird art and comics like especially the uh, Zap uh, the underground comics sure. from and Gilbert Shelton and and uh, Robert Williams and all that, and S. Clay Wilson uh, and and i uh, we kept finding pictures of Bob in all these old magazines. It's like every other ad showed a guy with a pipe grinning with that haircut Uh and usually in a hammock or fishing and and with with some beautiful uh, dumb blonde looking wife (laughs) with a lot of makeup on Uh actually it turned out that she was the one with the brains bob himself is we're not sure if he even knows how to read, <laughs> but he's lucky. The important, the, the point of the subgenius thing is, is it doesn't matter how smart you are. Nobody, how do you define smart? Uh, that, that's a dumb thing to think you understand. So, but we do know that, that Bob is damn lucky. <laughs> and um, so we worship him and we crank out uh, three book specifically uh, about, about sub genius teachings and Bob's history and so forth, and a uh, 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 really elaborate uh, documentary, crazy documentary video called "A Rise,"
1: uh-huh.
2: which Night Flight used to show that, and they're back. They're they're back on the internet. Uh, you can you can see "A Rise" illegally on YouTube anytime. Uh-huh. People. Are, <laughs> constantly bootlegging it sure um and uh and then uh uh, there ended up being subgenius radio shows the first one was uh puzzling evidence on kpfa in berkeley it started in 1982 Mm -hmm. actually this this guy bob nelson was doing a weird show in the middle of the night and he invited the san francisco subgeniuses there i was there for the First or second one, I think, and um, and they just kept coming back, and eventually he moved away and left, and they inherited this show. But yeah, they ended uh, that show's still on. It's been three, five, almost forty years now. It's
0: crazy. In the dead
2: of night, uh, which makes it you know, nobody else wants that time slot. Mm-hmm. But they can do anything they want for two hours. And I started doing the hour of slack in Dallas. And uh, at a at a station called KNON, public supported uh, station, and I did it there for nine years. And I was also mailing cassettes to quite a few radio stations, like uh, WFMU in New Jersey, sure, and uh, a couple of stations in Cleveland. Uh, my show's been on in Cleveland was was has been on nine o'clock Sunday nights in Cleveland for over thirty five years. Wow, and we had such following in Cleveland that uh, when things kind of went south in Dallas, I moved to Cleveland and uh, got remarried and and kind of uh, stayed there for twenty five years. I'm now back in Texas, mm-hmm. but not in Dallas. We, we live out on a secluded ranch property with a lot of my other family and uh, my my. Mm-hmm. Wife, who also goes the radio show with me.
1: Uh-huh. She,
2: she's uh, known as Princess We Are Go, queen of all the UFOs. So um, I've actually made a living at this. It's not much of a living, but it, it pays my half of the mortgage uh, selling ordainments in the Church of the Subgenius. And they're legal ordainments. I mean, in that hardly any cities or states demand to even know what denomination or even what religion a minister is for purposes of marriage. Uh-huh. So uh, a lot of us have done—I've done. I've done I've, I've performed so many legal marriages, I've lost count of them, and um, if they're not legal, then a lot of them wasted money on divorces. That's where, the, that's where the real money is, actually, you know, the lawyers. Lawyers do a lot better than the preachers. <laughs> We should have done it. It should have been the law office of the genius. Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> I, 35 years too late. Oh, well.
0: Um, I don't want to cut you off, but I really want to know, and this is going to sound like a very simplistic question, and maybe it is. Maybe it's a dumb question, but being able to say, you know, I've, you know, I've made my money, you know, I've been able to pay my mortgage off of this, the church of the subgenius is so much of this that i mean i feel like maybe trying to define it is is a mistake but it's very funny uh it, it, it's it's also a movement making fun of movements it's it, it's a little complicated is it comedy do you want to include it in there is you do you want to include the show you do in the category of sure, comedy
2: why not, yeah why not both you know one it's why can't it be comedy and uh uh, you know fire and brimstone warnings
1: mm-hmm.
2: like yeah why not both <laughs> there's, 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 who's making the rules on that
1: exactly. now that where, I agree. Where,
2: where it gets complicated is that it has a tendency to actually turn into <laughs> what it's making fun of uh-huh. there's some people who get really cultish about it and they take it they they understand that they're not supposed to take it seriously, <laughs> right. except they don't understand. And they do they do end up getting too wrapped up in it, to the point where they'll uh, get very angry about somebody else who isn't being a proper subgenius. Now, of course, to me and Philo and the other old-timers, that's just ridiculous. Uh-huh. I mean, the first thing any of us did was come up with our own schism. Mm-hmm. And start blaspheming Bob, you know, just to prove that we could be free of his baleful influence. (laughs) Not that we are, but we pretend to
0: be. Of course, of course.
2: (laughs) Uh, We pretend to be free and in bondage. I have no idea where we're really at. I just know know that it's really been fun, this whole time. I've gotten to the point where, uh, yeah, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. And I step out of character a lot more than I used to. Sure. Part because I'm sick and tired of of people taking it too seriously.
0: Of course, yeah.
2: You know, I uh, and recently uh, this um, nice uh, film person, Sandy Boone in Austin, who uh, used to be married to one of the early sub buddies of ours, but he died in 2001, she kind of came back to the project as a filmmaker and has finished this documentary about the church that really, she did a great job, because on the one hand, it's really funny, everything in it is true, mm-hmm. uh, but it also Preaches the same message that we've been preaching, which is basically think for yourself. Mm-hmm. And pardon my French, the one rule of the church, the only law: fuck them if they can't take a joke. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: you know, I have to censor my own show for uh-huh. the public stations, uh, although the internet version is uncensored. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we've we've been none of us were ever what you call professional comedians. I've probably done more of what you might call stand-up than most of the, the uh, other ones, or at least I've done it con- more continuously. I don't mm-hmm. do it much anymore, but the funny thing is, was never in comedy clubs. I've never actually set foot in a single comedy club.
0: Wow. Except
2: I think I, I did see a, some sort of a fundraiser that Paul Krasner did in Cleveland. That was the closest thing to a, a, a comedy club show that I've ever been to. Um, and I, I really don't listen to many of my contemporaries. Uh, I, when I finally first heard Bill Hicks, I was so ashamed of how much better he was <laughs>
1: than
2: than I was that I I just kind of went I don't I can't I can't afford to listen to this guy because I'm going to start unconsciously copying.
0: Of course, him. yeah.
2: Um, I had, uh, I, I did when I was much younger. I did listen to a lot of Lenny Bruce. He'd been long since dead, but I. That is a Carnegie Hall double album and a bunch of other stuff. And I just, I, I'd listen to those all the time. He was a big influence because he would just stand there and talk about real stuff and switch back and forth between absurd skits and real, real thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought, well, oh, I like that. George Carlin was another one that I thought was so good. I better not listen to it.
0: Really? Cause I just,
2: yeah, I just end up copying him. So what we, we i i was more influenced by things that weren't quite like stand up the the Fire sign theater mm-hmm. um that weird weird god brother Theodore
0: yeah oh boy
2: and uh, musical things like uh frank Zappa and uh, the bonzo dog band
0: yes uh
2: those those were in in some ways I probably ripped them off more than any given stand-up comics
0: but it's so much fun the idea that that what you are doing is you're playing with the idea of uh, people preaching and people preaching are supposed to technically come across as real as possible and yet your influence are so heavily in the surreal and even in the musical and surreal i love that that's what influenced your attempt to mimic people trying to be human well yeah
2: i think uh we we do we have in. Been enjoyed enjoyed uh, confusing people uh-huh. because uh, a lot of people just take it at face value. Uh, I It's hard for me to understand how anybody could look at our book or pamphlet and go, well, these guys are just crazy. They're sick. <laughs> but he thinks this stuff is nuts. It's like, no, anybody who thinks we really think this stuff is nuts. Yeah. That's what we're making fun of. If you're so dense that you can't pick up the, the, on the fact that this is a takeoff designed to blow your mind, then it's too late for you. And you are what we're making fun of. You are one of the pinks and normals.
1: <laughs> you
2: know, uh, you know, those are handy descriptive terms. Personally, I think stereotypes are the whole problem. Right. But they are fun to play games with.
0: No, of course, of course. We
2: just, we, we kind of invented a bunch of our own stereotypes, you might say, and they come in really handy.
0: I bet. A lot of
2: people <laughs> have, you know, found the subgenius thing useful because it's kind of a, a general all purpose skeleton that you can put any kind of meat and clothing on you want. I mean, because it's, we it's been taken in so many different directions. You know, we've, We've been very collaborative about it. We generally just let people take the ball and run with it. Mm -hmm. We don't try to tell them what to do, although there have been cases where we had to shut people down because they were uh, ripping us off or they were uh, embarrassing us or they were sexual predators.
1: Oh, boy. You
2: know, and just generally misusing the whole thing. And consequently, I've been... Careful to keep the face of Bob as a registered trademark and the word subgenius as a trademark as far as being used in the context that we're
0: using it. That is fortunate. Before, said,
2: yeah, it's, it's to prevent Disney from co opting it.
0: You right. Know?
2: right. <laughs> uh, so anyway but this is about comedy on vinyl
0: it is it is so but now now that we've got a little bit more of the the, not only the influences that you had but the influences you went out of your way to avoid uh i want to talk let's let's maybe dig into fire sign because they come up a lot on this show and i love talking about them do you have a particular favorite album of theirs
2: um Well, there's a real difference between their radio play albums and their live radio show. Sure, those were like apples and oranges. And uh, I, I memorized pretty much all their first ten albums or so, plus the solo album. Oh my God! Uh, And I first ran into them, I think, when I was only like fifteen years old.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I was at a Uh, I was hanging around the theater club. So I went to a boys school and the only way to meet girls was to hang around the theater club. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them had older siblings who had, had, had sophisticated theater person type tastes. And so I got exposed to fire signs first album one night. Uh, at, at a party. They put this thing on and everybody just sat in the dark listening to this. And I remember thinking to myself, this must be what smoking marijuana is like. <laughs> the Just hearing that fractured logic, it was like it was telling a story. But I was damned if I could follow it. It, it, it To me, I, I, it always required, I didn't really get the thought of their albums until about the sixth. Hearing.
0: Yep. I I, um, I had the same they, thing.
2: Yeah, so convoluted and fast. And um I was right. That was a lot like what smoking marijuana was like mm-hmm. as I learned the next year. <laughs> uh but um in I, I I actively looked for people I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to be like them. It's like God that's so this is the greatest art being done in this century. That was the way I looked at it, that and the uh, underground comics. Uh, uh, to me, the stuff that was in museums and it was being, you know, that was considered highbrow was just broad. And this this down-to-earth crazy stuff was much, much richer to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, in, when I was in college, I made which didn't last long. I was only in film school for a couple of years. I, then I dropped out and started making
0: movies. Uh huh. But, uh, Smarter I, than I was, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, well, I never, I never did get to be a for real director, but my son is, my son is, is in the director's guild and he just finished his first
0: feature. Awesome. That's wonderful. Called Solver uh, Murder Mystery.
2: Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, we, I, I never was able to find scouting buddies or partners that would riff that way. I mean, sometimes we'd try, but it was always kind of awkward.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: did have friends that would come up with ideas with me. I had writing collaborators, you might say. And um, I, I wrote and produced a, an underground movie called Let's Visit the World of the Future. Mm-hmm. It was Obviously, fire sign influence. I mean, it had, it had bozos in it, only they were evil bozos. <laughs> they actually were. It's, it's horrifying to watch that movie now because so much of it has come true. And I thought the last part that would come true was the bozos, but look at the president. Right. <laughs> Good God. You know, it's, it's like it's, it's worse than the worst satires we were coming up with 30 years ago. Uh, but where where it finally started happening for me was when I met Philo Drummond. He and I just hit it off. He wasn't a showbiz guy like me. I mean, I had been, you know, I had become a filmmaker at that point, and and I was I was really trying to do animation and all kinds of things, uh, creative stuff. And I, I would go to things like the uh, Fireside Theater. There was a sort of conventions with the Papoon for President thing in the, yeah. around 1976. There was a convention in Kansas City for Papoon. And David Osman was at that. And that was the first time I ever met one of my heroes. Yeah, He was so friendly. And he and his wife, Tiny, put me everybody at ease uh and he was so supportive he loved my world of the future movie in fact he, he insisted that we show the one print at the uh convention although there's a, a rough part near the end that he he says he can't watch
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, bozo, bozo mating season <laughs> it's, it was a little too real <laughs> but uh they uh th- that that kind of Made me realize, wow, these gods that I've been worshiping—they're just nose-picking regular <laughs> folks like everybody else. <laughs> um, uh, I, I I also got to meet Ray Harryhausen. Wow! My, All right, one of my heroes, I and mean, he was a real friendly, sweet guy. And um, um, uh, but but when Philo, I started hanging out with Philo, and we'd just come up with goofy ideas and we came up with a sub thing together. And I just went absolutely nuts with it. We both did. We just, we couldn't stop coming up with ideas for it. It was like a, it was like a mathematical formula, the how to design a cult.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Only we were stealing the most absurd stuff from all the successful ones, the Masons, the Scientologists, Rosicrucians, uh, you know, we're mixing all that together with comic books and monster movies and Dallas, insane Dallas radio preacher. <laughs> we uh, started getting tapes. Well, these the people associated with the underground comic books, uh, Paul Mavridis, Jay Kenney, who were artists working at Last Gasp and Ripoff, respectively. Uh, they knew this puzzling evidence guy who did audio collage stuff and improvisational recording where it's like he'd go to Disneyland, but he'd be narrating it as if he was somewhere else in some <laughs> outer space or something. You know? And uh, we started getting tapes from him. And so we started to, kind of doing the same thing back. Philo and I would go out driving around and uh, we would, we would turn the most mundane things into science fiction or surrealism mm-hmm. just because, it was just audio. Nobody could see what yeah. we we're, were really looking at. a wino rolling around in the gutter, but we describe it as something completely different. Or we have an old whole interview with it. Uh-huh. One of us being the wino, that kind of thing. And, and uh, we just, we, it was easy when it was, when it was us and uh, some folks in Arkansas decided, Oh, these guys think they're weird. Let's show them what really, weird really is, Arkansas style. <laughs> they ended up being the group we called Doctors for Bob. Um, uh, they were even nuttier than us mm-hmm. and, and more out of control. And, and, and pretty soon, I mean, there was only like a dozen of us the first year or so, but it seemed like a small army yeah. because uh, I was a professional editor of audio, video, text, you name it. You know, I'd been doing that since I was 10 years old and so I was the one who ended up pulling this stuff together and kind of formalizing it generally you know my friends would come up with these funny things but I was the one who wrote it down and on a piece of paper and then typed it up and worked it into the other stuff later mm-hmm. um, so in some respects I was kind of the ringleader um, although for, now that Philo's retired from his day job and I'm just tired of doing sub stuff, he's actually probably more active than I am.
1: Mm-hmm. In
2: fact, he's running a, a channel on Roku. It's a sub-channel, you might say. There's there's a channel called OSI-74,
1: uh-huh.
2: r- run by the horror host, Mr. Lobo. And Mr. Lobo, he he shows all kinds of other horror hosts, a kind of MST 3000 sort of approach. Uh-huh to bad movies and things. Well, he contacted Philo and said, hey, would you guys like to have part of our channel? So suddenly there was like a a place to put all of our old videos and things.
0: That's great. Plus,
2: just weird things that we had collected. We had a lot of collector friends, you know, who were into spectacularly weird stuff and especially collaging uh, disparate horses together, Mm -hmm. you know, monster movies cut real fast with porno or (laughs) religious documentaries or whatever, you know, just a mashup. We were doing the mashup thing way ahead of our time and consequently got similar, you know, about the kind of attention you would expect. None. (laughs) 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 People just didn't get it, you know, hardly anybody did. But the ones who did jumped in. You know, so it's always been this small kind of secretive army. We, it, it, By definition, it can't be big time. That would wreck it. Sure. The whole point of it is that, it, that it, it's for weirdos, and we're serious about that. Yeah. It really is for weirdos. And I tell you, I have met some of the most interesting, wonderful people and some of the scariest, creepiest people <laughs> because of this thing. <laughs> Um, had some some real adventures.
0: Do you think listening to uh, any uh, the fire sign stuff, as ironic as this might sound, gave you some kind of focus? Did it ever help, like, make you realize more of what you wanted to do, or did was it the oh way yeah, I? Yeah, okay.
2: I sure as hell did. I wanted to be like them. You know, uh, that was to me that would be the greatest thing in the whole world. Uh, that and them and the underground comic books people. Oh, and another another group that I really admired, just by secondhand experience because of Tom Wolfe's book, The Electric Kool Aid Acid Test. Mm-hmm. I really admired the Merry Pranksters. Sure. And uh, Ken Kesey, and I. It, it, when I was eighteen, I wanted to be. You know, it's like I wanted I wanted to be accepted by the pranksters and the underground comic book artists and the Fireside Theater. By God. By the time I was twenty six or twenty seven, they they considered me one of their buddies. It was like a dream come true. wasn't making any money, right? But I was getting validation from everybody that I most admired. I couldn't. Uh, our crime was sent a copy sent a copy of, of our first pamphlet. I figured that guy would hate it like he hates <laughs> everything,
1: uh-huh. but. He,
2: <laughs> He reprinted it in the first issue of Weirdo. Which oh uh, really was a huge boost for us. Of That's
1: course. When a whole
2: lot of people
0: first saw it. Stolendress.com is proud to present of Dyson Dens, a DD podcast, starring Navia the Centaur Fighter, El fiznick Fisnick the Warlock. Grin. Good puts. What's his name? A time-traveling cowboy. And your dungeon master. Me, Dan. Join us as we fight wolves. So the green light leaves your fingertips, enters the face of the wolf, and then it explodes. Explore creepy places. The fog gets thicker as you walk toward the building. Suddenly, a giant claw emerges from the fog and grabs at you. It dissipates as quickly as it appeared. This will all burn off by noon. And generally keep it classy AF. Y'all don't need to shit in the corner. (laughs)
1: Oh. Oh, well. (laughs) Did y'all shit in my corner?
0: So visit odndpodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play.
2: Dawson at one point told me, "You guys carry the tablets." Now, we maybe in terms of the the live radio, so us and Negative Land, and lots
0: of other folks. Sure,
2: uh, are indeed doing very much like what the, the Dear Friends show was. Uh huh. Um, they were actually a little more organized. Now it's funny because you get completely conflicting stories about those shows. I've I've heard all of their shows now, you know, thanks to Taylor. You can can hear the entire run. Yeah. And, uh, Peter Bergman insists that they never smoked pot while they were doing the show. (laughs) Whereas everybody else is like going, Oh yeah, you could hardly breathe. (laughs) So I, I'll, I'll always, I'll always kind of wonder why. Was Was Bergman just trying to be a good influence on youth?
0: Right, right. Which or, or what? <laughs> Which is so strange to me. Now, I never had the fortune to meet Peter, but. My in my head, the guy's the biggest rebel of the group. The guy you know, starts one of the first love ins. Like he's he's yeah. he's a big guy in terms just culturally, and it's just funny to me that he would insist, no no no, there's no whereas when I've spoken to, <laughs> to any of them, it's there's that's always in there. At least a little bit. That's really funny to me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. But you know, Bert, it's interesting. Bergman also uh was the he Manufactured the Shokan editing machines, film editing uh, flatbeds. Back in the the seventies, um, film editing had moved from those upright moviolas which were like tractors, to these much more efficient flatbed things. But they were real expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, like or forty thousand bucks. Oof. Well, Bergman managed to produce a, a smaller uh, edit, editing table called the Showcon. that was only about ten thousand dollars at that time.
0: Wow! A guy,
2: that, a guy that I worked for owned one, and I worked on, on those things quite a bit. I, um,
0: I had no idea, and I again yeah, went, went yeah, to film it, school, it but huh?
2: Well, yeah, you know they did. They did do a lot of film work. It just, you know, it only got shown at Midnight Movies, Mm-hmm. right? You couldn't just, you know, download it. You couldn't even find it at Blockbuster. Right. Um, you had to wait for it to show up at some college
0: campus. You know, there is this, there's an, uh, there are, I think, obvious parallels between your stuff and between Sign stuff that do not in any way reek of stealing. They reek of what everybody else is, which is heavy influence. And which is why, yeah. you know, what? which is why I, I very much like your stuff because it's like, oh, this feels like Firesign, but it's also its own thing. It's, it's, uh, you know, and I've told Phil Proctor this, it took me forever to kind of understand Firesign. Um, I feel like, the subgenius stuff is so open to and kind of welcomes interpretation as long as you're not an actual insane person that, um, right. it, it's pretty friendly to most intellects as long as you're an open mind and you're not a friggin idiot. Um, <laughs> I'm curious though, are there other acts that, inf- I mean, it sounds like sign was huge, but are there other acts that you can think of that directly influenced at least your input into the church?
2: Well, um, uh, I'm I'm a a big sci-fi nerd. Mm -hmm. I've read all of H.G. Wells' main novels every 10 years or so. Uh Uh, Real basic stuff. And, um, uh, like I said, Lenny Bruce was was one of those things that kind of peeled open my head and made me realize, you know, you can you can actually get real
1: mm-hmm.
2: if you you know if you feather it and and cushion it with uh raunchy humor <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. uh, you can actually manage to get some pretty powerful things out there um it be just because people aren't exactly expecting it sure and, uh again Frank Zappa the Bonzo dog band and uh Not, not so much Cheech and Chong. I really wasn't that into them. Mm -hmm. That was was too normal. (laughs) Now, when I was a kid, back to the original vinyl stuff. Yeah. um, My, my dad also had, I think, one of Bill Cosby's early albums, and I remember the title of that one was "Why Is There Air?" Yep. Which I thought was. You know, I was like eight, nine years old. I thought that was a pretty intriguing title.
0: Of course, of course it was, <laughs> and
2: uh, and of course it was mostly about being a kid. Yeah, he, that, you know, before he turned into an ego monster, he was really good with that childhood stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, those those were really fun. My parents also had a couple of Rusty Warren albums. Oh, uh, yep. I guess supposed to be sexy and adult, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand anything in that of
0: course, of course not
2: I, I, that was a complete mystery to me i I could not of course now when I listen to it I, well i one of our one of our radio personalities, Reverend Susie the floozy <laughs> is kind of like an extension of that sort of thing mm-hmm. the Took her with a heart of gold. Of course that's strictly an act. Sure. Um but, but but like me, she didn't step out of character for a long time. And and her character requires a lot more makeup and <laughs> hair dye.
1: Um
2: uh, but she's uh she's she's not doing it she, none of us are working as hard as we used to at it. Sure. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm the only one who's ever really depended on it for, for a living, and I intend to keep selling these membership packs to, like, Croak. <laughs> but, but it's kind of like being the guy that sells ant farms for the uh, <laughs> sea monkeys. You know, sooner or later, everybody gets one.
0: Right, right. Well, um, at least and, you the, know it's, the big difference between you and the sea monkeys guy is you're not a white supremacist. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that oh, or not.
2: I didn't know I didn't know that. He's got
0: a long, dark story that most people don't realize. It's just funny oh, to bring it up.
2: I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Well, you know, hey, but sea monkeys are fun. You well, know.
2: actually, they're terribly disappointing. I know. But shrimp, you know, they might as well buy mosquito larvae. They just twitch. That's all right. they do. They float around and twitch. and They don't even wear clothes or have
1: families
2: like on the box <laughs> uh, and, oh well i mean they're still out there ant that, farms are still out
0: there they're a ni- they are a nice metaphor for uh you know for religion anyway i mean you're you know <laughs> you're selling the same amount of <laughs> salvation as they are uh, monkeys so it's it's okay oh yeah, yeah I <laughs> although so. i will i will i would gladly spend 35 dollars on um you know a fake religion that knows it's vague. that's kind of fun you know that's that's worth it. People well, got to understand. That.
2: bucks. Not, that's not much, and you actually get a pretty sizable package.
0: You know what? Let's a, let's talk about that because uh, you know it's about time to promote yourself anyway uh, in in the episode. Well, yeah, you,
2: that's right. This isn't this isn't a college radio station, right?
0: <laughs> exactly right. Go well, go for here's,
2: it. Here's what you do, friends. You 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 check out subgenius com. All you have to remember is that subgenius does not have an O in it. Uh, dot and com do but
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um, anyway subgenius.com and right up front it says become an ordained minister and that's the that and the book of the subgenius are the two best things we sell we've also got little pins and bumper stickers not t-shirts all that kind of stuff but the book of the subgenius is still in print and it's holds up beautifully it's as even though it's It's very clearly a a product of the 80s. Something about it seems to still ring the bell for some folks. And the membership package is uh, if you decide to follow up with it and check out the various internet forums or even go to the X-Day gatherings in Ohio every year, uh, it can open up a whole interesting new world of friendships and maybe even love affairs. It's it's funny how it's turned into a social thing
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, uh, that wasn't something we really expected. I mean, Philo and I didn't really expect that we'd have to get up at seven o'clock on July fifth, nineteen ninety eight. much less every subsequent July, (laughs) since obviously we don't really know what year it is yet. 1998 (laughs) hasn't happened yet. So I'm still out there at that campground, the clothing optional campground that specializes in pagan festivals and music festivals, although most of us option to keep our clothing on, (laughs) Uh, except during the baptism. We had some we had some pretty crowded uh, baptisms in the swimming pool back before everybody had cell phones. Mm-hmm. The ladies don't take their clothes off anymore at these events because of the, the internet. Starting about the year two thousand, their grandparents started getting online. Mm-hmm. And they started keeping their tops on.
1: That's fair. <laughs> We had,
2: I had been invited, in 1990 I was invited to a big neo-pagan festival called Starwood. Now I was very suspicious of their motives for bringing me there because I'd been making fun of that new age woo-woo <laughs> alternative health crap for decades, but it turned out half of them that's, they they loved to be made fun of. They thought it was all pretty funny, too. The important thing I learned is that they knew how to throw a hell of a party, and it was kind of like the late 60s all over again. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked to see that people were still doing that, and uh, long story short, I ended up going back to Starwood to speak pretty much every year since 1990. Wow. By 1999, I, I was married to one of the main people there. Who, uh, just the way things turned out, she's now one of the two main directors at the festival.
1: Uh-huh. It's not
2: as big as it used to be, but I, I'm I'm married to this new age festival, and our X Day thing is like the first week in July at this campground. It's not very big. We I mean, never more than about a hundred people in it, but. Starwood's more like a thousand people, and then that happens uh, the, the, the following week. And um, that's turned into quite a community of, of weirdos. Uh, some of them are sincere Druids and Wiccans, mm-hmm. uh, but that that doesn't keep them from being Firesign Theater fans and Lovecraft fans.
0: Right, either. right.
2: So we we actually have a whole lot in common, and I must say, there's been a lot of uh, matings between the it's usually subgenius boys and pagan girls, but sometimes it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. Subgenius girls and pagan boys, you know, opposites attract or something. Sure, (laughs) Um, and they all know, and they (laughs) for some reason a whole lot of them seem to be real aficionados of this rock stuff that they all smoke constantly. (laughs) Isn't that funny?
0: That is strange.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What a coincidence. Anyway, so, yeah, that's, that's where, that's where the Mary Pranksters influence came in. Some kin at one point, it's like, we did do our own underground comic book, and we really did. I mean, uh, literally, there was a Bob's Favorite Comics Amazing. Published by Ripoff Press and a lot that Mavridis and a bunch of the other artists, uh, Hal Robbins and Jay Kenney, a bunch of these other underground artists worked on. Um, and a lot of nobodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, in some ways, we, we made the Merry Pranksters look like amateurs.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
2: we never dispensed LSD. Uh, but in terms of it's going around the country, blowing people's minds, and looking much crazier than we really were. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we we did, and and we we but uh, Ken Kesey and his friend Babs were dues-paying subgeniuses. That's I never amazing. did get to meet those guys, unfortunately, uh, so I was basically too poor most of the time.
0: Sure, to, uh,
2: just up and travel.
0: Right, right,
2: uh, but uh, we we had always uh, meant to, to get together. And I just learned that cheesy's son, Zane, has been selling unauthorized subgenius stuff <laughs> uh, in the form of blotter acid paper with Dobbs heads printed on it. He oh, also sells God. blotter paper with with other designs, you know, Grateful Dead and stuff like sure, that. Sure,
0: sure. It doesn't
2: have LSD on it. It's just the blotter paper. It's just a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, I thought about it for a second. And I went, oh, well, I'm, if it's insane, cheesy, I'm not mad. Right. I owe them. You know, <laughs> they don't owe me. I owe them in a way. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a small world when you get into the uh, – refined weirdo uh sector
0: well i mean it's 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 um you started a a weird subculture at a time when uh that was possible i mean it's it's the kind of the equivalent of uh it, it, it's it's in the same camp as uh you know when people were sharing cassette tapes and people were doing this and do you know just spreading things that you couldn't get because the internet didn't exist you guys were kind of all waiting for the internet to exist so you ca- you made it happen by just pushing your ideas out into the world and that is so holy to be admired especially when there's such a huge comedic element to it cuz I don't well, know. the
2: the U.S. yeah, the U.S. postal system was our internet. Yeah. So it's kind of a slow motion internet, and we spent a lot on postage. Uh, but it was actual physical objects that were being sent back and forth. And mm-hmm. Consequently, you know, up until the internet, that meant you ended up storing all these videotapes and mm-hmm. giant LP records and reel to reel tapes. In fact, I had to when I moved to to this house in Texas, I had to spend a lot of money getting a shed built to hold all the stuff that had been in my Cleveland basement and attic. Oh, my God. Uh, they don't have basements and attics here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I, I have a, an archival shed that's uh, climate controlled and insulated and pretty, pretty safe. And it's got all the ancient stuff
0: that's amazing. It doesn't
2: fit onto three hard drives.
0: Right, right,
2: right. You know, everything since about 2000 or so is digital sure. for the most part. Um, although my son makes fun of me because I still, I still use CDs and DVDs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He said, Dad, I think you're the only guy I know that still uses optical media. <laughs> and it took me a while to figure out what he meant by that. <laughs> CDs and D and data DVDs. You know, uh-huh. it was like, oh, that's right. Everybody just streams everything's on drives now, mm-hmm. or it's damn cloud, <laughs> which I don't trust. Two seconds.
0: I really don't either myself. Maybe I'm maybe I'm older than I think I am. But yeah, I don't. Uh, same same situation. Well,
2: either the <laughs> either the sun or the Chinese could erase everything if they really wanted to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. And I, I, I was uh, speculating about that. I had just been reading about solar flares in the past. That if it happened now, it probably would shut down the whole internet. Yeah. And cause Terrible destruction in a way. And I thought, wow, twenty five years after that, the entire population of the U.S. will be nothing but bikers and Amish.
1: <laughs> and then
2: twenty five years after that, it'll just be Amish bikers. <laughs> everybody else would just, you know, collapse. No, oh my first. God, Facebook? I just can't get on Facebook. I'm going
1: to kill myself.
2: <laughs> i run out in the street and get hit by a car because they weren't looking at their cell phone for the first
1: time
2: <laughs> or something, you know, I, I you know.
0: <laughs> i want i want to make sure uh people so you already mentioned this but people should go to subgenius.com because that's where everything is including links to your facebook pages um you've got a- yeah,
2: all the radio shows are archived perfect um and uh and like i say you can buy the book of the sub it's 20 bucks it's been in print since 1983. wow uh I wish the other two were. I'm going to have to try to reprint those myself and print on demand. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing that that happened that allowed us to kind of do the Internet before the Internet came along was instant printing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There there was a little – and photocopying. You know, there was actually a time when you couldn't just go and spend 10 cents and get a photocopy of something. Right. In fact, everybody called it a Xerox. Uh, you know, they use the uh, company term. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Phil when and I realized that we could get printing done pretty cheaply, that was when we decided to do a pamphlet that, that would blow people's minds. And our original concept was just to leave it places or drop-lift it. Like, mm-hmm we'd go into a, a record store or a bookstore and we would just put some on a shelf so that somebody would find it there and go to pay for it. And the person that ran the store would be going, where the hell did this come from? Uh, and uh, we enjoyed doing that, but it, it wasn't economically feasible. My wife was so mad that I spent 60 bucks printing that first pamphlet. That she insisted that we send it to publishers as a query or a sample for a book. Wow. And I sent it to 150 publishers, everybody in Writer's Digest. You'd only have to send it to about five now. If that's mm-hmm. all there are. Left. Right. But, um, and, and they wouldn't give it the time of day. And they didn't then either. We got 150 rejection slips back. <laughs> but. People would find it in the trash or in the backseat of somebody's car. Yeah. And at one point, an editor at McGraw-Hill found it in the backseat of my sister-in-law's car in New York. and went, like, what the hell is this? This could be a book. <laughs> and sure enough, after a year or so, it was. Um, so people can get that book and our membership pack is really it's like you get the the two main subgenius pamphlets, which each take about a week to read.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you're my age, you'll need, you may need a magnifying glass. <laughs> um, uh, and these great frameable documents, the all-inclusive excuse for everything, <laughs> and the Doctorate of the Forbidden Sciences, and a, a, little, um, a little, little minister's card, which is... Uh, sort of inspired by the old Discordian Pope card that Robert Anton Wilson used to distribute. Um, yeah, I should I should mention the Discordians and uh, Robert Wilson and Robert Shea. They did that book Illuminatus, mm-hmm. which popularized the Discordian thing. The Discordians were just this beatnik fake religion that was clever. Um, I never actually saw their stuff. I just read Illuminatus, and I thought that Shea and Wilson had made it up. But they were just kind of riffing on it a little bit. Okay. And it was a, that was a very much an inspiration. We've been accused of ripping them off. But like I say, I never actually saw the Principia Discordia until we'd already had the pamphlet out for a while. And when I saw it, I was mortified. It's like, oh no, people are going to think we ripped them off. Mm-hmm. It was like when Devo's first album came out. Mm-hmm. And there was this Bob-looking guy, especially <laughs> Chi-Chi Rodriguez, I think.
0: But, right. But,
2: but, yeah, you know, that was one of those things where, God damn it, they're going to think we're ripping off Devo. <laughs> no. And uh, David Byrne did that movie, True Stories, has a song called Puzzling Evidence that is actually based on subgenius. Uh, we were originally supposed to work on that movie with oh. but when the, when the big Hollywood money appeared, suddenly we didn't have enough uh, experience. Mm, mm-hmm. They, I think they thought of us as liabilities because of copyright. Ah. They thought that we were to play too fast and easy with copyrights, but that's actually not true. Um, certainly not anymore. <laughs> A lot of the stuff that looks like clip art in our later books is drawn for the book by people that can draw that, that
0: way. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, that's... The specific, especially mebrides and uh, Hal Robbins.
0: Uh, that that's an extra level of something that you would not understand unless you knew that, and I mean honestly, I was looking through the book and because I'm I am currently borrowing uh, again friend of the show Taylor Jessen's copy, and that's exactly I'm like, well, okay, I, I want to know where they got this, where they got that, and I love that 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 a lot of this is actually drawn specifically for it. That makes me
2: well, the the first book uh, really does use a lot of, of truly what what you can call clip art, mm-hmm. that is stuff that was meant to be copyright free
0: sure yeah. originally
2: uh sold for yellow page ads and things
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but but we would then mix you know we kind of cut them out and collage them together <clears throat> so we'd change the original clip art
1: yeah like
2: add another eye to somebody's forehead or, <laughs> uh,
1: you know just little little
2: things like that yeah um so, yeah, there's been a lot of graphic uh, elements that, that were always a big part of it. That is um, delightful. I, there's so, there's still people cranking out so much subgenius artwork. I I long ago quit trying to corral it and collect it and label it. Oh, sure. I just gave up. It's just the Facebook It's just this faucet
0: <laughs> of,
2: you know, uh meme graphics where somebody's pasted a pipe or a dog's head onto the picture
0: right right
2: and and puts it in a completely different context <laughs> but i can't keep up
0: with it no what, what are you gonna do i mean that's 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 a that's a good problem to have though i mean as long as you know they're being cool about it uh that's that's not a bad yeah. problem to have yeah <laughs> yeah
2: yeah every now and then um we'll find somebody selling unauthorized bob crap on With Cafe Press or some one of those print-on-demand places. And uh, I have a little form letter that just says, if only they'd asked, we probably could make a deal, but
0: they're, they're
2: not that polite. This is our trademark, and you can't use it.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. I would actually love to have you back at any time to talk about if there's a specific album you want to go down a rabbit hole and talk about. Like, even if it's revisiting a Firesign album at some point, let me know, because I think that would be fun. Wow. You know, it's, it's up to you, of course. You know, I do not want yeah. you know, no to. Yeah. No pressure.
2: Yeah, I was just trying. I was trying to think, you know, it's hard to, to pick favorites. Sure. Uh, it really is. It like, that's that 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 would be that would would be kind of interesting. I'm stuck in this rabbit hole already, you know, mm-hmm. this genius rabbit hole. My my, my I've had various friends try to get me to join the Masons, and it's like, guys, I can't. I've already have to memorize a whole bunch of other gobbledygook, you, know, <laughs> you know, mystic bullshit references. <laughs> I, I just don't have time for another one, right? Uh, uh, they do have some pretty cool pins and stuff. My dad was very involved in the Masons, and I inherited uh, all kinds of very cool belt buckles and you know, hats and badges and things. Yeah, we, we don't have nearly as many badges and, and pins as the Masons do, <laughs> but we do have some.
0: Um, well, I I very very much appreciate you talking to me about this because the, the history of it is something I've been interested in because it's just like when you, when you see something's words and iconography and even if you see a rise like it is it is its own thing. But to me, no, I, I like knowing the history behind it as well because it adds it adds a, a layer to it. So I appreciate you you know dropping the veil for for a bit on it because it's it's fascinating to me.
2: Well, the uh, documentary by sandy boone the the full title of it is jr bob dobbs and the church of the subgenius
1: mm-hmm.
2: pretty, pretty long title uh it it is real slick it, they did a fabulous job with it i mean i i didn't i thought maybe i was biased but i've seen it stream four times at various film festivals now and everybody loves it
0: that's People great. who are
2: just brand new to it enjoy it. My grandkids enjoy it. They had to ask me if the shootings were real. <laughs> I said, no, 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 those are actors. That's fake. And they said, well, what about the rest of it? Is, that, is any of it real? Do you really do shows? And be, well, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: well, we did. we would do them again someday. Somebody just invited me to ask me if I'd ever spoken to the American atheists. Oh, Really? Yeah, maybe that'll be my, my next gig. Uh, there was a time when, when I was getting paid like 1500 bucks to yell in a nightclub for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that actually turned out to be more trouble than it was worth. I'd need, a, I'd need more than 1500 bucks to get my old bones onto airplanes and motel rooms again.
1: Oh I'm actually
2: in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, relatively, but and I I intend to be around for a while if possible. But um, uh, at the same time, I'm there's just some stuff I'm getting tired of.
0: That's 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 understandable. Um... But this this movie,
2: uh, really, it, it's it's not really much of a mystery anymore after you see the whole the whole movie because she she kind of uh, told the 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 story but the but the real story is actually just as interesting as the fake story
1: hmm mm-hmm.
2: part of it is and is that the and I didn't really expect this thing to have legs like it did it never did make enough enough money exactly I mean just barely enough for me to keep doing it and in fact, I was about to quit when the internet finally get came along and saved our asses it. Very, very much saved, the, saved us from just folding.
0: Wow! Uh, so because we'd gone
2: about as far as we could, you know, just using mail and publishing and small-time college radio, you know, we we weren't able to go any any further past that. And small nightclub shows, everything was just small. But then when the internet came along, suddenly, you know, every kind of weirdo in the world had access to every other kind of weirdo. Now, I think, to me, that has had the unfortunate effect of dumbing things down. Sure. Because you can always find 10,000 other people that bias the same stupid way you are. So it's easy to find a bubble and hide in there. Yeah. And, and for, so it really does turn into us versus them. Right. That us versus them in the subgenius context, that's a, that's a that's the first thing we talk about, but we're really punching a hole in that whole thing. Yeah. You, you know, you think about the, where we've taken it. It's so absurd. It, uh, I mean, it should be considered absurd. For sure. Like I say, there's people who go, they want to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could have had a real cult if we wanted to go that way. Right. And there were people who were trying to push us in that direction, but I just, Man, that just goes totally against... Minion types make me terribly nervous.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course, they, as they should. It
2: <laughs> Gross, grosses me out. Well, you
0: know, what's funny, it's funny, is funny is I had a... So, and this is uh, not to self-promote too much, but I, I, I made a documentary about um, a sport that got started as a prank. And I interviewed some people about, you know, other things that got started as a prank and went went too, went too far. And uh, my producer was fortunate enough to ask this guy, who's kind of a prank expert. He's like, "What about Scientology?" He's like, "Yeah, you know what? Scientology kind of started off uh, as as a bit of a prank." And it's it doesn't surprise me that people would see what you were doing and they're like, "Oh, yeah, you should uh, you should go the extra extra level with this." And I guess I guess they wanted you to become an insane power hungry madman. That's what it sounds like. Right.
2: Yeah. But it always <laughs> had to be us that did it. I mean, they weren't going to
1: do it.
0: Right. Right. That
1: was.
2: A- <laughs> And it's like, no, wrong guy. I've got the wrong haircut. <laughs> I'm just we we. I, you know, the the few times that I've ended up in like a commercial radio station to talk about doing this for real, mm-hmm. if, or um, I I worked on a, on a couple of diva music videos. I'm just not cut out for that kind of showbiz. Mm -hmm. I I just don't work that way. I I once asked uh, David Osman, I said, how come you guys never got big on TV like Monty Python? And he said, well, we were hippies. We were very happy doing what we were doing. We, we we never had an agent, and uh, that was you know we that was it. We 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 felt lucky to be doing those radio plays, right? Al, you know, and they sold a million copies. So who's complaining?
0: Right, that's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. So where can the, the documentary? I'm assuming is it just doing the festival circuit right now because it doesn't have a distributor just yet.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're eager to get a district.
0: Of course. Yeah. Uh, I,
2: I imagine that it'll probably end up on Netflix or Amazon before the year is out. I
0: hope so. I really want there, to see There's
2: no no reason for it not to.
0: And it looks fantastic.
2: Um, yeah. It, it was, oh, they they actually spent a hell of a lot of money on that thing.
0: It's the, the, the crew
2: was thoroughly professional mm-hmm. and, um, they spent a long time in editing. They traveled a whole lot. They got some great interviews with um, a few celebrities. They got Penn Gillette said fabulous stuff about us. Uh, the movie director, Richard Linklater, who did Slackers, mm-hmm. is a, a friend of uh, the director, Sandy Boone. and He said real nice things. Uh, they had us at Jerry Casali's place, uh, Devo, and Jerry threw in some good stuff. And uh, I got to tell Jerry in no certain terms on camera how much Devo meant to us unknown weirdos you know, mm-hmm. when we were struggling. Because he felt like Devo was a failed experiment. And I was going, no, man, you guys were the shining star. Yeah. You proved that weirdos could really get somewhere.
0: Of course.
2: Practically invented music videos, and he he just about cried. It was like nobody told him that
0: Ugh, in a man. long
2: time, or something.
0: That's insane.
2: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't use any of that in the movie.
0: It, yeah, yeah. Every, they, they'd
2: shoot for an hour and use maybe ten seconds
0: of it. I know, I know how that is. Oh, yeah, oh, it's it's such but, a pain uh, too when you have to when you have to make those decisions. But that sounds like a moment I would love to to have seen. I. Oh man, it's it, it. What's crazy to me though is like, is that you know, you've got one person who's heavily influenced, you know, just tons of people doesn't realize that you've got another person who's influenced tons of people in the same way. I feel like maybe I don't know. Maybe you get more feedback. Maybe you get more regular kind of present uh, feedback from people. I I could be wrong. You know, maybe that that success. Well,
2: I th- I think I think so. I mean, we're not rock stars, and. uh... You know, I'm, I'm I actually am kind of a hermit. I don't am not running around partying much. But when mm-hmm. we, you know, when we have an event like X Day, that's uh, it's a big gathering of friends. You know, they're not coming to watch three or four of the old timers do a show. They're coming to all do the show themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, the the audience is the show. They're fascinated to find out. Who else is interested in this stuff? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are scared to find out who else is interested. <laughs> I've, I've run in, we run into that even more, I think. <laughs> but um, uh, like I say, it's it's been a fun social experiment. But we didn't expect it to go that way.
0: Right. Well, what was your original and, expectation we, of you it? Know, it's a big thing. What was your original expectation of it? Is it just going to be a, a lark?
2: like a, a weird underground comic book? That would okay, get people's attention and freak them out. That was about it. We really didn't. Uh, I mean, getting a book deal was—I'd given up on that. Sure. But somebody, somebody saw the value of it, and I did get an agent for a while. There, I had a really good agent. She's an older woman with a lot of experience in Chicago and she got us a, a good deal on that first book. She died and our editor died of leukemia. We've had we've had some you know some some just bad practical luck a right. few times. Right. <clears throat> but uh, but it's there's always something some something happens to uh to inspire us to keep going every now and then. I went to the post office last year at one point to just pick up the mail, and there was a postage due envelope, and I had to pay $2.50 just to see what was in this envelope,
1: Uh and
2: there was no return. The post office guy said, well, I can just throw it away. There's no return address on it, so I can't send it back. And I thought, well, it's probably a joke. It's probably
0: something funny. I just hope it's worth two fifty.
2: <laughs> I got it home and opened it up. There was a thousand dollars in cash in that thing
0: what from the... some total stranger. Oh my god! Yeah, and I
2: happened to have a very, very sick relative at that time who needed money, and I went and gave seven hundred bucks to her. Wow! Done right and there, and that's the kind of thing that makes you go, well, I guess. I guess there's there's <laughs> good reason to stick with this damn nutty thing.
0: It's nice that it means that yeah. much to people, and it, and it's nice that it, you know somebody who's giving you money anonymously is somebody who gets it. They're not a crazy person. Uh, that's um wow, that's remarkable.
2: Yeah, they, they yeah it was completely anonymous. I still actually I ha, I did find an address inside. It was somebody I I don't know the real name or anything about it. I I. I sent him a real nice thank you package
0: <laughs> sure of course
2: but i never heard back from him again after that huh
0: wow i i don't know i just i love that uh, i i love that this documentary exists because people need to know more about you know a subculture is a subculture that's what's going to happen some people are going to know about it some people aren't um but i i it's nice for your, It's it's nice to know that this exists because it is a thing that clearly makes people happy, and that's always fun to talk about. I mean, it's the same as yeah. Talking yeah all
2: about of it the ever. reviews um, we we've, we've seen, a, a, oh, probably fifteen or twenty reviews now, all from the film festivals, and they were all positive except the one in Variety was kind of pompous. Uh huh. Like, you know, it's so eighties. <laughs> oh, well, gee sorry we make fun of <laughs> 80s stuff in the 80s <laughs>
0: what the hell
1: that's, yeah.
0: that's, that's i mean the documentaries well, talk fuck, about stuff in the past what the fuck are they thinking like of course it's yeah. gonna wow
1: yeah.
2: well, uh, uh, well there's somebody who had an agenda to beginning. with. Like oh sure,
0: fun you can watch
2: most of the movies yeah we run into those wow um but um, mostly, it's, it's been really, really positive.
0: Good. Well, I, I cannot wait to see it. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And um, obviously, like I said, you are welcome back anytime. I will tell the audience, please, uh, you know, go to subgenius.com um, and just check out everything that's there and follow them on Facebook and stuff. Is there a Twitter for any of the stuff or for you?
2: Uh... uh there is a Church of the Subgenius Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's run by uh, this kid.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I never look at it. Uh, I can't vouch for it.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh,
2: the, the The only thing I can that I really control is my radio show. Right. We, we monitor. You know, we have uh, friends who can help moderate the, the Facebook pages because otherwise, you know, people post stupid crap, to get you shut down. Sure so we we do monitor those things but you can't say any of it's really controlled Mm -hmm. so that makes it easier
0: uh and i want to again thank you for doing this show and uh thank you guys for listening and as always have a good thing (music) Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. This episode is also underwritten by $300 Data Recovery. Visit $300DataRecovery.com to get a quote on their highly recommended data recovery services. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years.